Hey everyone, it's Megan just checking in before this week's episode. I hope you're all having a great week. So just wanted to share that we have had over 200 listens to the podcast episode. So I really do appreciate you all taking the time to listen and supporting this podcast as well as supporting me in this. Um, Did want to give you a heads up before today's episode that we did have some audio issues nothing too bad. Um, Prior to us recording the episode to the success that it was, we did have difficulty with Melissa, who was our guest, hearing me. So we had to do some troubleshooting, but that's what you do to get it done. So that was what we were able to do. So I hope you enjoy the episode. You may also hear the co-host in this week's episode as they were a little vocal this week and uh, of course that's the beauty of live recording you don't know what your pets are going to do behind the scenes I also want to thank all that have donated to both walks to end Alzheimer's the Philadelphia walk and the Fayetteville walk which is my new walk group And of course, if you love the podcast, please feel free to leave a review, share it with one friend, and if you want to support it financially, you are more than welcome to help in buying me a coffee, which helps the creative juices flow and keeps me caffeinated. Thanks again for all of your support and enjoy this week's episode. It's a good one, although they are all are good. (laughs) Thanks. All right, so welcome back to A Cup of Core. This is your hostess, Megan, and today I am very excited because I have actually a friend of mine who I met a few years back through radio, um, and Melissa Folks is her name, and she is actually now a registered associate marriage family, um, I'm sorry, marriage and family therapist, which is crazy because when I met her she was in radio so she's had a career transition so I'm really excited to talk to her about that and what her new journey is like so Melissa first off thank you for joining today and how are you thank you for having me it's so good to see you virtually of course I am doing so well how are you doing I'm doing okay it's around seven o'clock so my work day you know is done and (laughs) just hanging out with the dogs now so I'm good I'm good nice (laughs) of course um so you're in California now but originally your journey started in the garden state so how did that transition go from Jersey to Cali specifically Los Angeles (laughs) yeah that's right I live in Los Angeles and I've been here already now seven years which is wild time flies is what I keep saying but yeah I'm originally born and raised um, in New Jersey and went to school uh, for my undergrad in New York City at Wagner College on Staten Island Um, While I was there, I got into radio my freshman year. I did an internship. I had a friend who was a year older and he was also very into music and entertainment and said, hey, I know you're trying to get into that realm. Um, Do you wanna intern at this radio station? And I said, yeah, why not? And that was 
that's kind of the where the journey began for me in radio and that's where I spent majority of my time in the entertainment industry which then ultimately ultimately led me to LA um, I had connections out here from an internship I did going into my senior year of undergrad uh, with Radio Disney. So when I graduated college, uh, my old boss was, you know, asking, he's like, hey, did you, did anyone scoop you up yet? Because they really expected me to land something in New York, as did I. I wanted to be near family and friends and what I knew but it just so happened to be that the opportunity was pulling me out to LA. So out I went mm -hmm. <laughs> after the summer that I graduated my undergrad in 2015. And I've been here ever since. Obviously, my career path has changed drastically. But I thank radio for ultimately bringing me out here and, and having me end up in a career where I am really, really fulfilled. Okay. So what, I guess from the transition from radio, like what got you thinking like, oh, I want to go into the mental health environment <laughs> or field, mental health field, <laughs> I really say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because when I tell people my past, they're like, yeah, I was in radio and now I'm a therapist, they kind of scratch their heads a bit because it really, you know, it's like apples and oranges, they're not related at all. But I had a huge passion for mental health I'd say in part with my own struggles and friend struggles, like beginning more so in college. I know that stuff existed for me before college, but I think something about being off on my own and um, starting to like really come into my own in college actually, um, that I just, yeah, I, I was really connected with my own mental health. And when I moved to LA, I really struggled with that transition. And I got into therapy for the first time and I had been working with my therapist, I'd say like a year or two at this point. And I had left radio and he had said to me, we weren't even trying to figure out like a new career path for me. I was really set up in, in what I transitioned into actually out of radio, like my in-between mm -hmm. of uh, radio and mental health. But uh, it was a week where I have to really paint the story. Actually, it was a week where I came into therapy. I sat down and my therapist said, how are you? What's going on? And I, I said, I don't actually know. I've been spending this whole week listening to all my friends' problems that I, I couldn't even tell you what's going on with me. And he literally just looks back and goes, hey, would, would you ever do this? And points to himself. And I I was like, wait, be a therapist? You're kidding. And he's like, yeah, why not? He's like, go back to grad school. You'd be a natural at it. And that was like the seed <laughs> that was planted in that therapy session with my own therapist, because I kid you not, I went home that night. I probably stayed up till like one or two in the morning on my laptop in bed, like searching grad programs and how can I do this? How can I still, my goal was to still be in LA and work full-time and potentially go to grad school and, and become a therapist. What a crazy thought at that time. Yeah, that's crazy. So do you still see that therapist that kind of set the seed for you? <laughs> I do. And it's so fun because yeah, he was the one who like planted that seed in me. And now here I am. Um, and I can, you know, get into it more, but it's a big journey to become a therapist. And I'm actually not at this moment fully licensed, but I am so close I can taste it. Mm -hmm. So it is amazing to be with 
oh, I have chills talking about it <laughs> with my therapist who, again, planted that seed and now to almost be on that other side of being a licensed therapist, just like himself. Wow. That's really cool to, to you know, have him be a part of that journey. And then um, it's got to be interesting to be in the room with like your therapist, and then you're, you're going through the training and to like have those conversations because <laughs> you're kind of like, I think having some self like self realizations as well. And then, you know, through your friends and have the, having training, you're like, Oh, I understand what you're going through. Yes. Yeah. He, it's been really great to be in therapy throughout the process to become a therapist. And in grad school, they actually really encouraged that. Um, and I think it's cool because he really knew who I was before being like becoming a therapist in the process. And now really again, coming out on the other side and, and being this licensed therapist. That's awesome. So I know you also do, you know, social media work as well. That was, I guess, kind of your transitionary period between radio and, and, and becoming a therapist. So how do you find balance between counseling and, and doing that work? Yeah, that was my transition. And, and actually when I was in radio, I started doing that on the side just for extra money. Um, LA is such an expensive city to live in back then. I thought that, and that, that has only, you know, stood true to the time. So I was doing a lot of social media management on the side for, uh, various radio personalities that I worked with at the radio station and was doing that on the side. And then when I left radio, I said, Hey, I'm just going to do this freelance full-time work for myself. And yeah, I've continued doing it while being a therapist and the balance, I'm not going to lie, is very tough. Mm -hmm. um, my days look very different. Clients jump around. I kind of make my own schedule. So there's not like a set part of my day where I'm like, okay, every Monday I, I do social media from this time, or I see clients from this time. I certainly try to structure it that way, um, but it never really turns out to be. So I kind of take it day by day where I check in with my calendar each day and I see, okay, I have a gap in my day where I'm not seeing clients. You know, what can I do for my social media clients? Um, and obviously doing my own social media marketing. It's a lot to balance. And I have, I'm looking at my desk. I have so many post-it notes and to-do lists. And that is my saving grace is just writing everything down. Well, I'm happy that you squeezed in time to talk to me today. <laughs> Hey, we can make it work, but there are days where I get to the end of my day. I'm like, I wish there were like five more hours in the day because I, I do want to, you know, get some more things done. <laughs> right. No, I, I agree with that hundred percent. Like I am the queen of writing like five to-do lists that all like have the same thing across it, but then one has like two other things listed and another <laughs> three other things. And I'm like, we need to make this one and get it done. Like go right. down, line. but it is hard. Like especially I think with the, um, just the way the work day is, you know, nine to five and, and trying to fit in like your life things as well. Like going to the doctors, like doctor's offices for the most part are not open on the weekend. So it's like, <laughs> all right, we got to make it work somehow. So definitely just like everyday life, finding that balance is, is tough. Totally. Yeah. It's really tough. I was actually funny you say that looking ahead and I, I try to take it day by day, but then you also have to, I know like when we scheduled this, like I had to look a week ahead. So I am mindful of what's upcoming and I was already checking next week and I'm like, I have a dentist appointment. Um, I got a new prescription for my glasses probably months ago and I still haven't actually went and got it filled. So yeah, I hear you. I always, and that's something I talk about with my clients. It's a lot to balance work and then all of the 
yeah, adulting life things we have to do in just the hours we have in the day. Right. Absolutely. So what, um, from your standpoint, because you work with clients mainly like what would you age range wise, what would you say? Yeah. Um, I work, I would say majority of the clients I work with are in their twenties and thirties, but I definitely see people who are older or younger. Um, I don't really take anyone I'd say like under 18. I'm still trying to kind of figure out what that looks like. It's funny when you're training as a therapist, they really make you see everyone and like all these different ages, different populations, which makes sense because you're figuring out what your kind of niche is going to be. So I'm still kind of fine tuning that. And I actually do have a few clients who are under 18. So maybe I, I wouldn't cut it off there. Um, it's just interesting, you know, being under 18, then you're dealing with, with parents and that's not something I particularly like. I really thrive working with individual clients, which is why I actually decided I am not going to see couples or families though. I did train seeing those because again, requirements, you have to see everything. Um, but I thrive with individuals and, and when you start to work with under 18, you, you know, you're seeing a kid quote unquote, even if they're 15, 14, 13, but you still have to talk to the parents in some regards. So it's, it, it brings in another party at times. Now, does it feel like when you're talking to individuals that are close in age to you that you're kind of talking to your, like a friend in a way, like, obviously you have to keep that, that, um, you know, confidentiality, obviously in those boundaries, but is it, does it feel like a natural, like friend conversation that's going on? Yeah. Good question. Sometimes it does feel like that and it can help me work I can relate to them in a really deep sense. Like, okay, this is someone who, yeah, does feel like a friend, but then I do have to put my kind of clinician hat back on as I call it and, and not sit in whatever they're going through just because maybe I am experiencing it too, or have been through it. I am there to lead them on this journey. So I don't want to sit too much in their stuff just because we feel like friends or, or the same age. Um, so it's tough. It's, it's definitely a fine line I've noticed, especially because like I said, my kind of niche that I've decided are twenties and thirties and I'm somewhere in the middle of that. So it definitely makes it a little challenging, but can also really work to my advantage and to the client's advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you're so, you know, close in that age range that you can really understand in a sense age-wise what they're going through as opposed to talking to like an elderly person <laughs> they're like you don't know what my life's been like it's like no, <laughs> we understand you know oh totally yeah I've actually had clients who have told me like yeah I had a therapist and they were awesome but they were older and they didn't understand these nuances of I get a lot of clients who are dating and going through dating apps and um I've been there so I can relate to what that process is like, or they're talking to me about, you know, lingo that's going on on TikTok. I'm on there. I know what's going on. So I can, I can get it. And actually full disclosure, my therapist, he is a male and he he is a little bit older. Um, I don't want to say he's old, but (laughs) you know, he's in his fifties. So I do notice, you know, when I talk about either like girly things or social media, it's, there are misses. So I can see then why my clients like to work with someone similar to their age, who is kind of has their hands in that stuff they're going through. 
Yeah. My therapist, well, my former therapist was also a male older as well. And I like, we got along so well. I was like, this yeah. is, think it would, oh, you wouldn't think it would work, but it did work for some reason. And I'm happy. Yeah. Um, hi bugs. The dog is, both dogs are coming to say hello. <laughs> do you do your sessions remote, like via telemed or do you do in person or kind of a hybrid of the two? Yeah. So right now I'm doing a hybrid. Um, I work for two practices, so that kind of confuses people. I work part-time for both of them, and one of them I'm doing strictly virtual, though it started in person pre-pandemic and then went to hybrid, and then a lot of those clients didn't want to come back, so I said, okay, this office, I'm not going to work out of it. It's going to be fully virtual. Mm -hmm. Then my other practice, I do one day virtual and one day in the office, so when you're looking Monday through Friday, which is what I work Monday through Thursday, I work virtual and then Friday I go into an office. Okay. That's good. That's a good, you know, mixture of seeing people. Cause I like to be seen in person. Honestly, I just like, I feel like they can see my body language better and I'm more animated, although I'm pretty animated because I talk with my hands <laughs> uh, via webcam anyway, but um, it's good that you offer that, you know, you're, you're offering that. And I think it's good for you as a therapist to be able to have that balance of going in and then as well as seeing people via Zoom. Um, I'm sorry, telemed. Going back to TikTok. So I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of things from individuals who I don't know necessarily if they're trained therapists, but you're seeing a lot of more posts about like, like a put a finger down if you have, you know, if you're experiencing this, 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 and then they're like, okay, you have this condition, like you have anxiety, like kind of diagnosing. Can you like speak on that a little bit as to like what like actual trained mental health individuals are feeling about that or you, you specifically? Yeah. Um, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I do kind of like pick up again. I think this is the benefit of being in social media marketing as I do spend a good amount of time on social media and on the interwebs and, and seeing things and now following a lot of therapists like myself and, and seeing that kind of stuff, people do get, I, I don't want to say annoyed. I think we just want to make sure in a topic that's already so stigmatized that the right information is going out there. Um, like you wouldn't have somebody who maybe you watch um, Grey's Anatomy and you're super into the medical <laughs> scene. You're not going to go in and see patients and be a doctor or get on TikTok and tell people, you know, how to, I don't know, take care of themselves in a specific way that like a neurosurgeon would, you know what I mean? So it's the same for mental health. It's like, there's just so much information out there. And I think self-help in general is getting really big. So people claim to be like an anxiety expert or a relationship coach and listen, I'm not putting any of those people down. Maybe you did do a course and you spent time investing in that. But I always tell people like, check your sources. Like I will even notice when I'm going on social media and someone is sharing something like that of tips, I go to their page and I look to see what their credentials are. I'm like, is this person claiming to just be an expert or a coach or are they really a licensed or pre-licensed individual who's gone through all the schooling, just like a doctor. Like I went through a two-year intensive grad program. I trained in the field for a year uh, before I graduated. And now 
a certain requirement post-grad before I can even sit and take a test to be fully licensed. So we go through a lot of training and a lot of time that we want to be credited as, you know, the experts, not these people who are just reading a book and then claiming that they, they know when right. they're not really credentialed. Sure. That makes sense. I think, I think, you know, there needs to be some sort of message out there for individuals that are not, you know, experts in the field to say like, this is my experience. Like for example, yes. anxiety. So I could be like, what helps me when I'm feeling anxious is like, I go take the dogs for a WALK. I can't say <laughs> Or like, you know, if I am feeling like depressed, like I'll take a shower. Cause it's like one thing, but that's my experience. That doesn't work for everyone. So I feel like there needs to be like a bigger, I guess, conversation for those individuals that are creating that content to kind of bring it back and be like, okay, this is what I think. This is not like act. This yes. Yes. And there's a space for that. I love that you're sharing your journey and, and that people are on there sharing self-help or mental health or what their therapist tells them. We need more of that. I'm not at all, like, I want people to know I'm not at all shutting it down. Um, and I think people just don't know. I mean, I'm sure anyone could show up in a space and just start sharing things and, you know, people get easily swayed and influenced and you follow someone you're like, this person knows everything about anxiety, but that person is just like you. And, and they only know this because they've gone through therapy. And again, that's not discounting what they know, but make sure like you're checking your sources, just like when you're in school and you're citing things in a paper, like you're not going to source like a TV show. You're going to go and find like that credible source. So knowing that the people like myself who are who went through the process of schooling and education and we have trainings we still have to go through even when we're licensed that those are probably the people that you should really trust um and the rest is just good maybe outside information to be curious about and consider mm -hmm. absolutely how do you manage your own like screen time i was curious about <laughs> like that's one I manage each week. Like I get the report each week and I'm like, oh no, like it went up so <laughs> week. Like, oh my. To be honest, I don't manage it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, I have to break down that too of like, just because I'm a therapist, I do not have it all together. Um, I am by no means perfect and I get sucked into my phone too. Um, and I used to get those screen reports too, and they would make me feel really bad about myself. And then I realized like, Melissa, you work on your phone. Like I am on there doing social media management. So when I see my Instagram or TikTok really high, I know, oh wait, that was because I was working on a lot of stuff for social media clients today. So I actually turned that off. I just found it to be like, very detrimental for my mental health. And I just have been more mindful of my screen time. So actually something I've recently done is when I get in bed, I've been putting my phone on charge and just really not trying to touch it and scroll. Um, I do like to be like a little like mentally stimulated when I get into bed, like whether it's watching TV, but I've also been keeping two or three books on my nightstand. Um, one's like a leisure read and then two are more mental health books to kind of further my training and expertise. So I try to pull one of those and read a few pages and then that usually yeah. kind of knocks me out. And that's been really helpful uh, just to kind of mind the screen time at night. And now I'm trying to also implement that in the morning where my alarm goes off instead of checking all my news feeds, just putting it down and recognizing, hey, it'll be there when I want to check it later. 
Right. Absolutely. I've been trying to utilize the do not disturb setting as well. Yes. Realize that it actually, like, unless you log on, it's not like the notification will come up. I'm like, oh, this is great. I love this. (laughs) Yeah. That's another good thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I use that so much. My phone right now, I have a work mode and a do not disturb. And when I have it on work, nothing comes through mostly because I'm in therapy sessions and I don't want any interruptions. And then my do not disturb. I have, you know, a few favorites of friends that I don't mind see popping up, but I actually keep all my social media notifications off. Um, I realize that's probably really helpful to share. I never have had any of those on for probably years because that could just be so like luring into constant be like who liked this or who messaged me mm-hmm. um so that's why you probably I know you messaged message me on Instagram I'm slow to get back on there sometimes because I don't keep up with it you know those things I just I check them when I check them and I don't want to be at the mercy of a notification right absolutely so one thing I was I think I don't know which platform I saw it on on Instagram for you or on your site that was just kind of going over you as a therapist, but you were talking about a a lot about being like a yes person, um, in life. And I feel specifically individuals that went through like the communications track in college, like we were kind of taught to say yes to every job that comes your way, because for the most part, when you start out in the communications field, like it's not, you're not going to make good money, but it's like who, you know, is what's going to get you that big job. So I guess kind of transitioning from being like a, yes, I'm going to do like work really hard, especially like interning in New York. Like we worked crazy hours when we did that and, you know, saying yes to everything. So I guess that transition of being a yes to like a, "Mm, I don't have to do it all. What, what has that been like for you? Yeah, that's been a huge adjustment. It's so true in entertainment. Yeah. You take what you can get. You are saying yes to anything and everything. You're so right. The hours were insane. You know, a lot of it, you're not getting paid. You're probably spending a lot of your own money. I remember back in college, I was driving from Staten Island into Manhattan, into the radio station we worked in, um, and in Tribeca. And I was paying for tolls and bridges and parking garages, which if you're from the tri-state area, you know, like those things are not cheap. Like it is so expensive. So now it's just bizarre to me sometimes that I'm like, wow, I feel like I have total control of my life and I can say no to things. So even for instance, like at one of my practices, it's hard to park over there. Sometimes I actually get a little brought back to those days where I had to pay for parking and have a crazy commute. So I said no to doing two days in the office. I started to feel really burnt out. And I said, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to push myself to be in this office space two days a week. And I asked to work virtual um, on Mondays. I used to go into that office Monday, Friday. And yeah, I put my foot down and and said no. And to say no and not have an explanation or an apology is so tough. Because, and I think too, as like females and just coming into your own in your like 20s and 30s, it can be really challenging. And again, connecting to what we were in before of taking everything, it's been a learning process for sure, even for myself. And definitely something I work through in my own therapy of, you know, figuring out, is this going to benefit me 
mentally. I look at everything from a mental health perspective now where I'm not going to push myself to burnout because I've been there and that's not a fun place to be. So if I have to say no, I'm not going to try to let the guilt overwhelm me. I'm going to recognize, hey, I'm saying no to something for my mental health. And whether that be a work obligation or structured, you know, structure changes with work or even like friendships. Some of my friends now, they know if you know, if there's a no, it's because I want to take care of myself. And again, no explanation needed, but it's constantly a learning process to get there. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I'm definitely at that point because I don't live in the Northeast anymore. I live in North Carolina now. So like when I go back to Pennsylvania, everyone is like, oh, come visit, come see. Yeah, like it's too much. (laughs) My parents, I just want to, you know, see a couple people because I'm at the point where I used to just run around for people all the time. And then, you know, it's also like, you can come visit here too, you know? So kind of looking back and realizing that, you know, at that time I was willing to say yes to so much, but now I'm like, okay, no, we're good. And again, that whole we always feel like we need to explain or apologize for the no when it's like some people are born with just being able to say no with like no shits given literally (laughs) I would like to know some of those people because it must be the people I uh, keep around me and attract but all of my friends are the same way it's like that constant struggle to (laughs) say no and feel bad you know you're texting with a friend and they're like I really don't want to go to this I need to just like stay home I'm exhausted and I'm like do it you don't need to go they'll understand and then you know you'll send that text like hey can we reschedule and the other person doesn't care and it's that instant relief but yeah boy do I envy the people that can say no easily because I don't really know that many people who can it's like I said it's such a journey to get to that place I love the there's definitely like variations of the meme where it's the person that's like was supposed to hang out with a friend and they text right before saying like they need to cancel and it's like oh yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I have been there. I used to, I used to be so bad with the yes that I would kind of double book myself with people, if that makes sense. So I would be, it would be like a day and I'd be like, okay, I'll hang out with this person at the beginning of the day and then like drive over to see the other person. I'm like, it's too much. Like, I can't feel like that anymore. It's, it's because I know, I I don't want to say it like this, but I feel like the other individual wouldn't do the same, if that makes sense. So I'm like, why am I bending over backwards to make this work when it's like, there's six other days in the week that I can make this work? Yeah, totally. Why do you think of that? You were doing that with the double booking. I just have to spin the question and ask you. (laughs) I think it was, I think I've just always been such a people pleaser and I don't want to let people down so me saying like no I can't see you like I automatically take that and and you know kind of harp on it and be like I let them down as a friend when it's like no like they'll under if they're a good friend like they'll understand that and I'm still coming to terms with that I think of like it's nothing personal like I have one friend he's actually in the mental health field as well um where we're the type of friends, we don't talk for months at a time, but we pick up right where we left off before. And it's like to have a friendship like that where, you know, you obviously put the work in, but it's not like a constant always needing to be around each other. Like that's the level I'm 
at at this point with people because I'm like, I know you're here for me when I need you, but we don't always have to be in constant communication. Cause I think uh, I did that so much before. Yeah, that's hard. Hey, I've been there too. I totally get that. Yeah. And I think too, just, you know, working in the entertainment business too, you, again, you want to know so many people, you don't want to burn your bridges. So even like, it sounds weird to say, but even like friendships that had nothing to do with that field, it's like, I don't want to burn that bridge. Cause I feel like it's going to come back one day and bite me in the ass. If that makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, makes but, sense. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it was funny. Cause I was really thinking about that the other day where it was like half the time, I didn't even want to like go see either of those people, like not, nothing against them. I just would have rather stayed in my bed and watched like true crime. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of the times too, for me, when I want to say no to things again, that's why I was saying, I think of my mental health. It's not that I don't want to I would love to realistically be in the office maybe seven days a week, but I don't live close to my office and the commute in LA is insane and gas prices are insane. So you have to think for your mental health, like, okay, what's going to make sense or what's going to make sense financially. And same with friends. It's like, I, it's not that I don't want to see you. It's just maybe my bandwidth for the week has been just, it's very small at this point because I've run myself to the ground not to burn out, but to where I know, like, I need to refuel my tank before I can see anyone and socialize. Yeah. How did you, actually, let me rephrase the question. What are some tips that you have for people that maybe are, you know, doing like what you're doing in regards to moving to a completely different state, like making friends? Like, what was that like for you? Well, I was kind of lucky in the sense, like I had said earlier when we started chatting, is I did an internship out here going into my senior year. So when I moved out here and I was returning to the same company, I already knew people and had like kind of, I won't say a circle, but like I had a best friend already and I had her friends. So I really leaned on her. I actually moved pretty close to her too because she was the only friend I had. Um, and I'd say like the biggest thing is to just be open-minded. So I remember her introducing me to a lot of different people and actually I still talk to some of the people she introduced me to. Um, and I'm glad for that. So even if you can find one friend and they are someone, luckily she was someone who was really extroverted and talked to everyone and kept a good circle of people around her that helped me then connect with other people and feel more established in a brand new city. That, and the other thing I did was I connected with people that I went to college with who were either older or younger than me, um, grade level wise, and moved out to LA. And we kind of banded together and made like a college group. And still, we still have one here in LA. And that's been really great because we can relate back to uh, our days in college and that environment. But the other thing I suggest for people that I did myself too is like Facebook, like utilizing social media. I don't know if Facebook is the go-to anymore, but back when I moved here, there was a bunch of like women in LA or, um, you know, industry professionals in LA, women. Uh, I've seen actually recently on TikTok, and if I had more time, uh, I would love to do it, but a girl started like a walk, like a you get all get together somewhere in LA and they do these big walks oh, and you can like meet tons of other people. So utilizing social media for a positive, like going on there and seeing 
where you can meet people. And I encourage people too of finding your hobby. So like, okay, maybe you like to hike. So yeah, this would be up your alley. Or even if you don't like to hike, but finding something you like and that's where you can connect with people. Um, I'm trying to think where else I made a lot of friends when I moved here. Definitely work was the main thing for me. But then you start to get sick of your work friends because you see them at work and then you only, your circle is work people. So I think it's important to find, I remember I, I joined a gym my first year. So I, I started seeing some familiar faces and I would take like different classes and I would kind of buddy up with people and, you know, where you stand in the room and stuff. So really just, it's it's vulnerable though to move to a new city and try to make friends, especially as an adult. I think that's really hard. Right, because when you go to college, you're all kind of in the same boat. Like you're all, for the most part, people are, it's their first time living away from home and, and you're all there for the same re- reason, um, getting an education, but you know, some people do other things. um but yeah adult being you know making adult friends it it is like I think it is a real skill that you have to work work on it's not like you know your mom's bringing you to to date you know a play date and be like okay (laughs) friends like it doesn't work like that anymore you got to make the play dates for yourself (laughs) (laughs) I know right I'm like why can't my mom make me a play date that'd be so fun like take out all the work I consider myself like an extroverted introvert so I'm you know if you bring me all the people, I'll talk to them, but it's hard to put yourself out there if you feel that way. Like for me, it's hard to like go in a room and, and want to be the first one to spark the conversation. But if, you know, I have a friend with me who is that outgoing person who's gonna make friends with the people next to us, it, it makes it a little bit easier. So I think too, knowing the type of person you are and, you know, what will kind of foster a connection for you. Yeah. And I think you find that out when you're in your later 20s, early 30s. And, I, you know, I, I hear often, at least in my one psychology class that I took, and or, and I, I think I've heard it over time, but a lot of the individuals say that 25 is like kind of your year, the year in life where you're fully matured, quote unquote. Um, and then like after that, then you're a responsible adult. So they say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. I'm like, that wow, is like, I made it. I think I'm still, like, <laughs> working on it. Right. I never heard that. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know from like a psychology standpoint, but I, I know like your thirties are really where people say you really come into your own and start mm-hmm. to kind of drop a lot of those expectations and things that you had in your twenties. Yeah. I'm hoping for my thirties that that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm working towards as I'm 27. <laughs> 28 but you know so nice. the last question I like to ask all of my uh guest is how do you practice self-care what's your favorite thing to do for self-care oh I love that question okay my favorite thing for self-care okay right now I would probably say journaling and that is something I like shout from the rooftop. So I, I kind of actually hesitated on saying that because I have a lot of go-to self-care things, but right now that's just been a really go-to thing because like I said, I'm usually at my desk. So if I'm able to just sit in the morning and journal or before I wrap up for the day, take one of my journals and write some things down, um, I find it super beneficial. And yeah, I shout it from the rooftops to my clients, like journaling is so beneficial and such a good self-care thing. And I'm not saying you have to sit here and write a novel, but even if you can type in your phone, like maybe you're out and about and you sit in your car and you just need a minute. I did that recently where I was really overwhelmed with a lot of things, to do's and 
family things and stressors and oh my gosh and I just sat in my car when I got to wherever I was driving to and and just journaled out in my phone and I kid you not I got out of my car and I was like oh I just feel so much better because it's somewhere I can reflect on it later I don't have to hold it and actually when you type it or write it out it just you just make sense of things right and I think it also it lets it out of your head if that makes sense like it's not like I, I'll think about what I need to do. And if I don't write it down, then I'm like, it's here, but I don't know how to like, right. Get it from here to, you know, get it done. If that makes sense. So it has to be written out. So I totally understand that. Yeah. You kind of stir in it. And I noticed that with a lot of my clients and I think just how fast we move in the world today and all the media we consume and all the expectations society and we put on ourselves that it's just so grounding for people to yeah take everything out of your brain I literally call them sometimes instead of journaling just brain dumps and clients will say well Mm. how do I start or you know what do what prompt am I writing to I'm like you don't have to write to a prompt there it's hard to get started for sure but pen to paper or type again in your phone or on google docs on your laptop and just brain dump and you don't have to write it like dear diary style. You can just write stuff down, like whatever is on your mind, good, bad, or, you know, indifferent or whatever that may be. And that's how you get started. It's just by doing. Yeah. I, well, not recently, but a few years back when I was cleaning my room and my childhood home, I found like those little diaries that you got (laughs) like the dollars. So funny to read about like what were problems back then versus like, like today I went over to this person's house and their brother was annoying. (laughs) Yeah. They're like little time capsules. (laughs) Right. So funny, but thank you so much, Melissa, for taking the time today to come on. Where can people find you online if they want to, you know, reach out, ask questions or, you know, just follow you. Yeah. I am on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at Melissa Francis. So M E L I S S. Francis, F-A-R-A-N-C-E-S. And you will find me there popping around doing trends on TikTok or sharing some kind of advice on Instagram. So definitely follow or reach out. Awesome. And I will share all of that in the show notes so people can find you easily. And again, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks a latte for listening. Cup of Corb is created, edited, and produced by me, Megan Corb. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe to Cup of Corb on your preferred streaming site. And please leave a five-star review as this really helps spread the word about the podcast. And feel free to share with a friend. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Cup of Corb and check out the latest updates at cupofcorb.com.